time for taking care of business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and good evening. It's Tuesday the 12th of September. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business. Where else? Only here on Midlands 103. Coming up between now and 8pm, Martin Kerwin of Leash's Kerwin Haulage. They're a family-owned logistics firm and they're on a mission to reduce their carbon footprint and they've been accredited with a number of prestigious international environmental standards. Martin will be along shortly to tell the story of that business talk about what a day did what day-to-day operations look like and give us the history and uh, look at exactly what they've been doing in order to reduce their carbon footprint also I'll be joined by Donal O'Donoghue the president of the Employment and Recruitment Federation they have just made a submission ahead of budget 2024 um, and they're looking for changes to our tax regime particularly for employment taxes to ensure that we can attract and reward talent and retain talent within our companies. We're at full employment. However, there are challenges. Donald will take us through those a little bit later. And also towards the end of the show, did you know time is running out for you to nominate your favourites in the Midlands 103 Hospitality Awards? One of our judges, Mark Fitzpatrick, of the Old Street Restaurant in Malahide will be along to talk about what he's looking for in his particular categories and also be joined by Katrina Lawler, Business Development Manager here at Midlands 103. Katrina will tell you how you can get your vote in and why you should get your votes in before this coming Friday. So lots coming up here between now and 8pm. If you want to join the conversation this evening, please do so on text or WhatsApp 083 103. That is powered by the home of Offaly's top-selling car brand, Lamb Brothers Toyota and the Arden Road in Tullamore. But uh, speaking of um, the weather, which I started with there this evening, and it has been so hot and balmy, and actually you might have copped it there, uh, expected to go down to between 3 and 7 degrees tonight, so a little chilly. And some of us might say, whoo, that's definitely the end of the summer. Some of us might even welcome the drop in temperatures that might make it easier to sleep at night. But imagine if your business was selling ice cream, and not just selling ice cream, but selling ice cream from a vintage bike. Well, that very person actually sits in front of me here in the studio now. I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Ian Carl. Ian, you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business. Thanks, Ron, and thanks for having me here tonight. Ian, you were one of the main people behind the ice cream peddler. That's right, uh, Ronan, yeah. So, take us through it. It kind of almost does what it says on the tin, but the Ice Cream Peddler, it's a fabulous new business. You can see it all across Instagram, various social media channels, has definitely been catching people's attention. So, tell us more about it. When, how did the idea come to you and when did you first start it? Well, we started in uh, July, Ronan. Uh, so, the, the wettest week of the summer <laughs> on record, probably. The wettest month, sorry, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm a, I come from a food science background, so uh, my, my career sort of went into the medical device pharmaceutical industry over the years. Um, but I lived in Australia for a while and I saw an ice cream bike one day on the beach and I thought, what a great idea. And it sort of stuck with me. So why can't we enjoy it in Ireland? You know, we, do, we don't have th- the same weather as, as Australia, but um, ice cream can be um, enjoyed all year round. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I think anybody, particularly with kids that's listening, probably knows that that appetite doesn't seem to wane despite no. the season as well. So you saw the ice cream bike in Australia. How did you go about finding a bike in Ireland? Or was there a particular model you were looking for? And, and did it take much then to convert that into the ice cream, uh, basically, contraption that you have for delivering your products? Well, actually, I had to go outside Ireland. There was no manufacturing an ice cream bike in Ireland, so I had to go to UK uh, in Bolton, just outside Manchester. So, uh, you know, the, the bike itself would have been invented in 1877 in Liverpool. 
So it would have been like the car, the old cargo bikes that you see probably in the Netherlands or Denmark. So for like for transporting groceries or um, meat or pharmaceuticals back in the day. So, ah, so you had actually had it's it, it is a, a specific bike designed for delivering goods that wasn't just one that you had to make up yourself. That's interesting. There's kind of a yes. Is, is it actually a vintage bike then, or is it a vintage style bike? It's a vintage style bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah with with the freezer in front, um, and you know we we can charge it up overnight and hold temperature you know, for about five or six hours and after. So it's perfect for weddings, you know, communions, birthday parties, you know, corporate events are a, a big part of our business now at the moment. So, And how has business been since you launched? Uh, we, we, As I said, we launched in the first week of July. Uh, we expected to be quiet, but we found like we're at Tullamore Food Fair every Saturday from half nine to 2 p.m. So it's an indoor event and, you know, people are still enjoying their ice cream. Uh, we're stocking at uh, Pulla Community Shop as well. So they approached us and, and uh, we're stocking there as well. Um, so, no, it's been really good, you know. And of course, if anybody takes a look at your, your websites or social media, so the website is theicecreampeddler.ie, the same kind of handle for across social media, they'll see that uh, it's not just ice cream. This isn't just ice cream coming out of a carton. There is a multitude of flavours, huge amount of choice as well. Take us through the ice cream. Where do you get it? Um, and what sort of effort goes into the kind of R&D piece and trying to get what, what people are actually looking for? Well, we get it from Glenone uh, Farm in County Cork. Uh, so we're, they supply us and we have a good relationship with them. So we've over like about, I suppose, about 22 flavours of ice cream at the moment. So ranging from the kids' favourites from bubblegum, candy floss. Uh, the adults like the, the old reliables like your um, French vanilla, your strawberry, double chocolate. Sometimes the adults will have the bubblegum as well. So, you know, it's, it's a mixture. So it's... Uh, um, you know, it's great. So, you know, coming into the Christmas, we're hoping to roll out the Irish liqueur, uh, the rum and raisin, and uh, make people eat ice cream all year round. Yeah, I think it is becoming a thing anyway, even at weddings now, like often the, the dessert can be centred around a, like a homemade ice cream too. I think people's, I think I was saying to you off air there before we come on, like I think people's, all this travelling around the world over the last kind of couple of decades, I think our, the Irish palate is changing in terms of the ice cream and it's great that we can now get those products here as well. So take us through like the typical, like when it comes to actually moving the bike, do you actually cycle it or does it get moved around in a van? What's it like, say, in terms of the day-to-day operations? Yeah, so day-to-day operations, I thought I could cycle it, but no, I can't. So I <laughs> bought myself a, Is that because uh, of the bike now, or you? <laughs> yeah, me, and uh, <laughs> I could blame the bike, I won't. Um, but yeah, we, we obviously bought a trailer and we we, uh, we bring it to the market, obviously, but I will cycle on flat ground. And, um, you know, I've often served kids at the market and cycled the, the, the bike past them two minutes later uh, and looked like a, a Willy Wonka sort of character going past them. So, um, you know, it, it's great. It's great fun brings uh, that bit of intrigue it as does well. yeah and, and you've kind of structured it, your kind of your packages that you've kind of a different kind of levels of packages out which are beautifully called after scoops you have like the bronze scoop the silver scoop as well it gives an overview of the types of packages you offer and maybe who the typical target market for those is yeah so i suppose i started off the the, the business with weddings in inside but now the corporate industry is really it's really big um so um the ice creams like the, the, once they go on the website they can choose you know, whatever package suits. So there's uh, the bronze, the silver and the gold. So it depends on many people, obviously, that they're there in the day and what type of ice cream they want. And uh, we, we have packages to suit everyone's needs. So um, if you hop on to our website, uh, uh we'll come up with packages to suit suits everyone's needs. And you also can do pre-order takeaways as well. That's right, and that's been a huge hit at the Tullamore Food Fair every Saturday. So people will uh, order online, and we'll we'll bring it along on Saturday. 
some people just turn up and we'll just scoop it up there on the day and uh, you know it's uh, whatever they want yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. There's, there's so many businesses after popping up, you know, as parts of, as new businesses, as parts of existing businesses, even you know, local farms, the likes of Burabanya, who are creating these lovely products and people are willing to pre-order and go and collect them as well, which is fantastic to see. I think uh, people are getting more conscious as well of, of that kind of locally sourced stuff or that, that, that local product as well. So um, what's it like? Are you going to be looking at buying extra bikes, do you think, in the next year or two? Like, where do you, where do you see the business going to? Well, I, I see the business next year, I suppose, 2024. We're getting wedding orders already. Uh, so I suppose the wedding industry in itself, people will book a year a year or two in advance. So um, we're definitely looking to probably get another bike or two in the next couple of years, leaving one maybe at the market and, you know, stationary there and going on the road with uh, another one or two, hopefully. So that, that's definitely the plan. Well, it sounds like people will have no problem finding you out and about as well. Ian, it's a lovely idea, fantastic business. Um, you know, as you say, setting up sometimes at what could be perceived as the worst time of the year, given yeah. the rain we had in July is quite often the best time to do it. You're, you're learning fast at it. And uh, it sounds like you have a busy couple of years ahead of you as well. Well done and all the very best with the Ice Cream Peddler as you go forward. Thanks, Billy Rowland. Thanks for having me on this evening. Not at all. An absolute pleasure as well. And um, there you go. So again, if you want to check out Ian's business, the icecreampeddler.ie. If you have an event coming up or you want to treat your staff, just give them that beautiful afternoon anytime. doesn't matter the weather. Ian can turn up with the bike and, deli- and uh, dish out that delicious ice cream. Time now for a short break and for some ice cream. But after that, I'll be back with Martin Kerwin from Kerwin Haulage in County Leash. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Oh, that ice cream is delicious. Now, anyway, back to business here now. Still to come on the show, Donald O'Donoghue, the president of the Employment and Recruitment Federation, will be along to talk about the submission they've made to the government ahead of Budget 2024. They're looking for some sub- substantial changes around employment taxes to ensure that Ireland can continue to attract and reward the best talent out there and to assist businesses at all levels to retain the great talent that lives in this country at the minute. Of course, there's so much talk lately of minimum wage, of living wages too, all of which is putting pressure back on employers to increase the pay rates in order to keep staff as well. So definitely the ERF are looking for some measures to be taken at government level there to address those things. Also, later on, you're going to find out how you can, in the next couple of days, Get your nominations in for the Midlands 103 Hospitality Awards. The closing date is this coming Friday. So later on, you're going to hear from one of the judges, Mark Fitzpatrick. He's a Michelin star chef from the Old Street Restaurant in Malahide. And Mark will talk about exactly what he's looking for in his chosen categories. And our own Katrina Lauder will also give you an overview of the categories that you can vote for. Some of which you may not be aware of, you might not have even heard of, but there is a category for that person in the hospitality sector that you really want to get recognised. But before all that, I'm delighted to welcome to the studio from Kilbrick and County Leash, Martin Kerwin. And Martin is one of the owners of Kerwin Haulage. Martin, very good evening and thank you for coming over to the studio. Thank you very much for having me. Martin, you are 30 years in operation, the business. Uh, how did it all start? Well, there you are. Um, our mother and father, Martin Ann, started up the business there in the late 1970s and uh, it's it based out, we're just based outside the village of Shanahoe, County Leash and um, Dad, I suppose he had one lorry in the beginning. He he trialed out a couple of ones. First, he had a Scania at first, I think, and I didn't see it now. But he had a Mercedes then, and I I believe it broke his heart. <laughs> parts f- falling out of it, but uh, um, eventually he settled on a, a, a Hino truck. And I suppose he bought his brand his first brand new truck. He bought it in 1990, and that's 
that saw that he, he got 10 years out of that one. And I suppose then into the noughties, uh, myself, Jimmy and Anthony uh, started to try and help out. Uh, we, and as soon as we, we were able to get our licenses, we did to try to give back a bit. <laughs> Uh, after all the hard work. What was it like working for him? Did he welcome you into the business or was it he, a, he well, a typical father-son relationship? I know that he was delighted to have us have us on board so he was um, he, he was he was over the moon so um, yeah so it, it, like uh, he always said once you could keep the trucks busy until the month of September he always loved the beat campaign, drawn the sugar beets. So yeah. that's when all hands went on deck. Then that saw us out to the new year. And then you worry about the following year when that came yeah, around. Yeah, of course, because where you're based, you wouldn't have been too far from the Carlo factory too. And like, I mean, yes. you know, so that must have been, you know, tough when those factories just looked like overnight they closed. Yeah, they, they closed down overnight. So it was always an, an exciting time of the year. It was always plenty of work. And it was always that time of the year where Daddy would, would draft in uh, a second lorry and it was like make hay while the sun was shining sort of thing and his brother Billy would come on and help and we'd be we'd be bringing the tractors and loaders around as well and it was like a little fleet oh, sort of in there because at present you have is a 10 employees as well so obviously that growth has continued so what kind of what has driven that over the last maybe a couple of years too well yeah over since myself Jimmy and Anthony got involved in the early noughties we we tried to look for new customers and we, we've been blessed with very loyal customers down to the last 15, 20 years uh, who stuck with us and, and helped us to grow our business. And now, like today, we're, we're running a fleet of 10 Arctics, uh, a crane lorry and four rigets and different trailers then to go along with them, like flatbeds, curtain siders and machinery trailers. So... We have something for everybody. And is it a varied payload that you're carrying or is it, does that depend? Yeah, on no, no day is the same. So like general haulage, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. We, we, we're not sure what's around the corner the next day. So we, we try to help everybody. We try to, we even, we try to provide a service for our neighbours, the local farmers, drawn like feed and hay and straw and... Uh, and, you know, so um, then we have a regular good customers who have stayed with us for the last 20 years. To, so the likes of Leash Sawmills and Ground Force and all that. Yeah, Ground some Force kind of good, great, great companies as well, mm. great local companies too. But you also have storage facilities then at your, H, at your HQ in Kentucky yeah, as well. I mean, that's a, that's a huge service. I mean, for particularly yeah. when COVID hit, the, the lack of actual storage in the country became apparent. I can imagine it's probably still an issue. It is, yeah. So like in the last few years, we just, we, we try to diversify and try to help out and, and true, say, doing small collections in Dublin we got to know different people who kind of required help in storage and logistics around the country so one thing led to another and we now have a a loading bay where we can take in container loads from the docks in Dublin and we can unload them safely and store them for any uh, sometimes short time sometimes for longer and we can distribute them to anywhere in the country 
at, at, at the customer's request. Yeah, crucial, yeah. crucial part of the service too and a, and, a, and a major part of the supply chain as well. Mm. And I suppose, that the, and it really kind of showcases the development of the company and the way, you know, how far you've come in over those years too because I suppose like any business, other challenges that get presented and I suppose the one thing that really is out there, every, never mind the, the operate the, the cost of doing business, but mm-hmm. the whole area around decarbonisation, the carbon yeah. footprint from your business. This, however, though, is something that you've obviously had an eye on and you've been keeping a close watch on for yeah. quite a while. Um, you've recently been, you've gained some major international accreditations, but I suppose before we get to those even, at what point with Kerwin Hollage did you start looking at how you ran mm. your operations and, and, and maybe what was the catalyst or the thing that inspired you to go yeah. and look at how can we maybe reduce our carbon footprint? Well, um, when you run lorries, you always want to try to reduce your costs, reduce your fuel and reduce reduce everything as much as possible. But um, but anyway, but like uh, like over the last uh, while, we just decided we'd we'd try and help. The, we'd, it's it's on the news every other day about the environment. So it was time we said, what could we do to help? And so like. It's something like as simple as the uh, purchasing newer trucks. Um, so like they have automatic engine switch off. So if they're parked in the yard for any number of minutes, they'll, they'll automatically switch off. They won't just remain ticking over. And uh, they all use AdBlue, which breaks yeah. down the harmful emissions in the exhausts. And uh, so the, the, the we, we fitted the trucks with trackers as well so we could we get to see where the lorries are in real time and we can advise the drivers um, on different locations if, if loads come up during the day to avoid crisscrossing one another and that uh, that that helps the environment in a way as well <laughs> to prevent burning unnecessary fuel. So uh, of late then we've looked into the alternatives to the fossil fuel in diesel. So there's a the new fuel called HVO which has been introduced to Ireland in the last while and it's a hydro-treated vegetable oil and it's designed, it's completely interchangeable with the diesel in our trucks at the moment so it blends seamlessly with the ordinary diesel so it allows our existing trucks and vehicles to switch to a clean burning, low carbon alternative fuel and it's purely environmentally friendly. The only drawback is if it's a little bit more expensive than the diesel and and uh, currently uh, the government aren't offering any fuel rebate on it yet so hopefully okay, hopefully be, that will change yeah hopefully that will like, be something in the in the yeah. budget as well because bear in mind the the excise duty will be fully restored on the like it'll be back to what it was before the, the subsidies were brought in I think in November this year and that'll bring mm-hmm. you know, again yes. yep. lots of companies and even the general public will feel the pinch of that with the yeah. HVO then does it can it operate on a mixture then or does it have to be H- HVO or diesel or can it, well, does the blend actually allow the truck it, to function? They, they say to try to get your fuel level as low as possible but I believe it, it doesn't matter. It, it it will blend seamlessly and work perfectly and I've got the, like MEN in Dublin have have backed it and have given the permission for it to be put into our trucks. Okay, so it's not compromising warranties not, or not, any issues not as well. whatsoever. I mean, that must no. be hugely important then. Hugely. Well, it had to be all, all the background checks had to be completed before we, we took it into our yard. So, so far, so good. It's, it's all at the very beginning stages. So, hmm. at the moment, everything seems to be 
going grand. And is there refueling stations then around the country that will that your drivers can meet or do you have to try and do it all no. from, from your own base? Yes, so, so we usually use uh, fuel cards for the trucks. It's a, it's a, it's an easy way of calculating the fuel uh, consumption on all the lorries, but no, the HVO is, uh, is stored in a tank on site in the yard and uh, ah, that's the way we don't mind it that way for the, for the start off. But like, if it does go well, we will certainly look into increasing it and getting getting a, a big tank into the yard and, and storing it and having it for the trucks. What's but, really uh, interesting there is you spoke about alternatives to fossil fuels. We haven't mentioned electricity, electric vehicles yet. And yeah. people in your sector seem to go straight to HVO or maybe look down the line at maybe hydrogen coming as well. Were EVs ever a consideration for you? Um, no. And bear in mind, I read in the paper at the weekend, like the uptake from the commercial sector is pretty much, it's almost non-existent. Like, you know, I think city centres, it seems to work. Did you look into it yourselves and, or, and did you analyse the, the possibilities with electric uh, vehicles? We Look, yeah, we, we, you're always looking and, and, and thinking, but for our business, the, the lorries can be heavily loaded and, and they do need... I wouldn't see electricity or anything like that going too far with a lorry that's grossing over 40 ton uh, heading to Donegal. You, you <laughs> might have an issue around Roscommon or, or Longford, but uh, <laughs> you, have to, you can't have the driver ringing and saying, oh, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of electricity. Yeah, I'm staying the night. And, uh, yeah, and well, I'm sure as well, customers are waiting on product the other end. And, they are. You know, and if you're, they're if looking for ETAs the whole time off, yeah, estimated yeah. time of arrivals and... Yeah, so you just, you, 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 you always, you, you can't take the chance. And with the likes of the HVO then, there's obviously, you know, an abundance of supply in the country too. There's no, there's no dangers of, you know, is it all uh, locally, so is it all Irish sourced one or has it been imported at this point? It's, it's, I think it's, it's all being imported at the moment. So, um, I'm not sure, like, it, 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 they're able to, uh, Give you a certain amount of liters, so you could you could order five to six thousand liters at a time. I I am not so sure um, if the if every haulage company in the country uh, looked for Decided HVO go, in the morning might, that, that, that everybody yeah, does it, it burn at issue. the same rate as diesel? Like if you burn a thousand liters of diesel in a week, would you burn the same or an equivalent amount yeah, of HVO? Yes, it's the equivalent. Yeah, okay. the, the the lorry will need the same. Yeah, the yeah. same. So but again, it, it burns cleaner, so it's yeah. it's good. It'd be nice, and if if those government incentives did come in as well to maybe encourage yeah, more to companies, encourage because it, yeah. as, you know there's 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 yeah. one major food fast food chain, and their trucks are going around with you know that they're actually burning the oil that they cook the food uh, in. Now, yeah. it mightn't be quite that uh, simple a process, but again, they're promoting that they're using the HVO as well. But from from what you've done though, from an environmental perspective, you've really kind of you know put this into action as well and you've been mm-hmm. recently awarded some like major ISO accreditations I mean these are international standards it is I know from my own experience a big undertaking for a company to even look at those standards yeah. to go and achieve them then and maintain them is, is a massive credit to you as well so what yeah. what was the kind of key driver there why did you pick those standards and and, and look at actually getting them for Herwin, Herwin Haulage well is when when the the business began to grow and more drivers came on board it, it was up to us to kind of uh, put in standards put standards in place and uh, so first in 2019 we went for the quality control and that certainly helped streamline the paper trail say from the from the the customer order to the invoicing stage and everything runs a lot smoother when when you when you follow the strict the, the procedures that the 
quality control um, requires. And it's uh, as well as that, it has to be, it has to be, it's not just once off, it's audited every year on how we, we, we do it. And um, and so we're, we're absolutely delighted. Uh, so we in the last uh, year, we decided we'd go for the environmental, uh, the ISO uh, for the environment and the... Uh, the health and safety standard and um, th- like health and safety is huge now and it 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 helps uh, us to risk assess everything that's associated with the lorries like literally the lorries are big rigs along the road and they have moving platform right behind you and you have to make sure that all the pre- correct procedures are put in place and and our drivers are all fully trained in order to lash down the loads for instance or without uh, making sure there's handrails on the trailers before the, the drivers get onto the trailer f- to prevent falls and lo- you know just loads of different things yeah and of course you're, you're delivering then to different sites they're experiencing different sites, all yes. different weather conditions everything thrown in as well yes, that's yes. what that's probably wanting you've seen a huge change on since your own time joining the company and, and, and growing up with it is like the mm. things like the, the driver CPCs which yeah. finally maybe began to give recognition to drivers as being professionals. I mean, what drivers do is nothing short of mm-hmm. phenomenal on a daily basis. They probably don't get really the recognition. Really and truly, they are. We're, we're blessed. We're very lucky with our staff. Like, they're, they're, they're very dedicated. Um, and, like, along with Eleanor Marr, she's in our office over the last good few years. And the level of professionalism she brings is is, is absolutely brilliant as well. And uh, yeah, no, that it's 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 testament to the work she's done for us as well. To, that we've uh, get, got these awards. Absolutely, they they can't be achieved without the they right can't. team in place. Yes, I mean, exactly. you, won't, you won't get nine thousand and one if you haven't got the people to. That's right. Yeah, you know, meet all the objectives and and the deliverables within that as well. So it's an absolute credit to you as well. I suppose. Yeah. It has been maybe a you know a bittersweet year or two because your dad, who founded the company, sadly passed away in early 2022. That came as a bit of a shock to you. Oh yeah, that was a big shock. Um, look, he was he was a hard grafter, and he he showed myself James and Anthony how to go about her day. Like it's up in the morning and straight to work, and yeah, that's the way Daddy um, went about his life, and he was a great. Um, ambassador for us so he was and he you know so um, yeah he he had a very short illness he was driving the trucks right up until say nearly September and he passed away the following January so September 2021 he was in a straw field collecting straw for the farmers and you know by January he had passed you know but like in the last number of days before he passed like he said to the three of us to look after the lorries yeah. and that, you know so. priorities huh typical that's a, obviously how we how we come to have built such a, such a yeah, huge so business as well that's and what we're doing <laughs> yeah absolutely well look at it sounds like you're you're looking after them and, and more than looking after them as well as I say it's an absolute yeah. credit to you and thank you so much for, for coming on this evening because again there are companies like yours that are based here in the Midlands that are covering the country and even beyond into the yeah. UK as well on a daily basis they're getting out those goods they're bringing the goods in for companies to do what they do really well without yes. companies like Kerwin Haulage I mean the country doesn't exist and business doesn't continue anyway so Martin yes. to yourself and, and to all the family as well 
all the very best as you move forward and uh, looking forward to hearing more from you. Well, Actually, if people want to find out about you, what's the best way to get you? Yeah, um, if there's anyone listening here, we can be contacted by admin at kerwinhaulage.ie for any um, uh, transport requirements anywhere around the country. We're, we're, we're also ADR specialists, so if there's anybody listening who requires any uh, pallets or uh, consignments moved anywhere in Ireland, we've three trained, fully trained uh, staff in ADR and we can help out. Fantastic. You have, you have, you have every angle co- covered as well. Martin Kerwin, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Um, that's much. Martin Kerwin there from Kerwin Hollage in Kilbricken, right in the centre of County Leash and pretty much in the centre of the country. They're in, in reach of every part of the country within a couple of hours as well. Another fantastic Midland success story, family business going from strength to strength from into its second generation now. Uh, time now for a short break and maybe even a bit more ice cream if I can find Ian from the from the first segment there. I definitely nab some ice cream because it's warm in the studio here this evening. But after break, I'm going to be talking to the the president of the Employment and Recruitment Federation about the submission they've made ahead of Budget 2024. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Coming up a little bit later on this show, find out how you can get your nominations in for the Midlands 103 Hospitality Awards. The close or the, the voting lines close on Friday this week. So if there is a person or a business that you haven't got around to nominating yet, have a listen in a little while and you'll find out exactly how and why you should do that. But before that, we're into that time of year, September. Everyone's kids are back to school. People are back to work. Things are kind of settling into normal routine. And of course, this time of year, we also put our thoughts towards the budget. And for Budget 2024, which is due to be announcing on the 10th of October, many, many organisations and bodies are putting forward their own submissions to government in order to look what what they feel will need to be done in this budget as well. Before the break there, you heard Martin Kerwin from Kerwin Haulage talk about maybe the need for some sort of um, relief in terms of HVO for for, uh, haulage and transport operators who want to move towards alternatives to fossil fuels as well. So certainly watch this space. But with that in mind, the time is coming maybe on this show over the next number of weeks to look at the various things that various organisations are looking for from the budget. So this evening, I'm delighted to be joined by Donal O'Donoghue and Donal is President of the Employment and Recruitment Federation. He's also the Managing Director of Sanderson Recruitment in Ireland. Uh, very good evening, Donal. Good evening, Donal. How are you? Absolutely fantastic, Donal. Um, looking at your, basically the ERF is calling for some changes to be made, particularly around the area of employment taxes. Give us an overview of, of what you're looking for and, and what your submission to government has been. Yeah, absolutely. And you're dead right. uh, We're expecting the budget on the 10th of October. And the ERF, I suppose, is the representative body for employment agencies and recruitment companies around the country. So we employ 10,000 people directly in the recruitment sector, but we also represent probably 100,000 people that are engaged as temporary agency workers and and those people that are engaged as professional contractors as well. So we've made a uh, a fairly extensive submission to government uh, around our recommendations, and it's really a three-pronged approach that we're advocating for. Uh, it's about tackling the housing crisis, uh, the, the housing crisis, and um, because first and foremost, all the work that we do on attracting talent to Ireland and upskilling and reskilling people really isn't very effective if we can't bring new talent and have a, a place for them to be able to rent or or uh, or, or to buy. The next step is about building labour market skills, upskilling, reskilling and transitioning people who have skills in, for example, declining sectors of the uh, of the labour market and, and reskilling them for growing areas. And then the final one is really about employment taxes. Our tax system needs to be set up uh, to attract and reward 
rather than uh, than overly penalising people. And it's it, it's interesting in Ireland that we have uh, you know a, a huge proportion of people uh, in the labour market who are um, you know maybe at the at the beginning end of the labour market where they're maybe not paying uh, USC or paying income tax. And we've got the high earners then who are who are paying a, a large amount of tax. It's about to make sure that we've got an equitable distribution that attracts people, that attracts entrepreneurs into the labour market uh, and, and fairly taxes everybody as well. There's a lot of speculation already that things like the USC may be abolished or there might be substantial changes there too. Would that suffice, do you think, or does it need to go a lot deeper? I think there's more to it than that. I mean, it's about simplification. Like, if you think about it on the on the PRSI perspective, we've got 11 classes of PRSI in Ireland covering five different headings. So it's a very complex system for people to understand. So uh, what the ERF is, is advising uh, government to do is to reduce the number of PRSI classes, capping employees' PRSI at €75,000 and capping employers' PRSI at €100,000. To, again, to, to make it, I suppose, more equitable for everyone. And we're talking about, we, we're looking at the uh, the overall 52% marginal tax rate for high earners. Um, that is very high when you compare it to international standards. And there's also a 3% USC charge for the self-employed, which is a real disincentive for entrepreneurs coming to Ireland. And ultimately, we want to attract those kind of knowledge economy organizations um, and I suppose we need to be brought in line a little bit more with the, the global tax treatment. Of course it's not just attracting new talent into the country you've also kind of spoken or alluded to the fact that many non-nationals left kind of during Covid or post-Covid and also the amount of Irish people who have immigrated and you're looking maybe trying to attract them back by restructuring that tax regime. It's the tax regime and it's also looking at, uh, I suppose, an overhaul and an improvement on the work permit and visa scenario. Because, you know, the first thing we talked about is tackling the housing crisis. Uh, That's vitally important. Then you cross-reference that with the fact that we have a huge shortage uh, of skilled construction professionals in Ireland at the moment because, you know, we lost some people during the pandemic. We lost other construction and trade professionals uh, after the uh, the downturn of 2008-2009. So we really need to look at how do we incentivise employers, for example, in the construction industry, uh, to incentivise more development of apprenticeships and reskilling and upskilling and attracting talent back into the country. Absolutely, because again, you know, in order to try to meet you know, the basic requirements for housing in order to facilitate, you know, both a, a growing economy, a growing uh, population, and as well as bringing those people in to, to meet all those needs is going to be a challenge. If there's a timeline in mind for something like that, and, and, and given that the housing, and it was the first one you came out of, is a biggie, what sort of timelines are we looking at? Like, is it something that can be solved within two years? Is it a 20-year-long project? It's a, it's a far longer project than, than two years because if you look at the, um, at the completions numbers that we're seeing, uh, the ESRI report recently said that we're kind of looking at 27,000 completions this year and hopefully getting up towards 30,000 completions of residential units next year. Um, we've been underproducing for a, significant, uh, for a significant period of time, so I think it's a longer process than that. But we've made some recommendations about some simple things that can be done to uh, to increase supply in the in the rental sector, for example, uh, some incentives for for small landlords uh, around basically allowing more uh, uh, income reliefs or tax reliefs against you know uh, retrofitting uh, properties. We're we're advocating for a reform of capital gains tax, which will 
and um, I suppose incentivize people that have land that can be sold for residential development. Uh, we're looking at things like, for example, um, giving, I suppose, set targets to the local authorities to make sure that they're achieving their targets for social and affordable delivery and tying them to their exchequer funding. So just some really common sense approaches to make sure that there's a, um, you know, a holistic approach to driving activity in that housing market. Because as we're saying, we're seeing organisations doing great work to attract talent back to Ireland. And when the candidates are close to signing contracts and actually confronting the reality of trying to find rental uh, or affordable housing to buy uh, in towns and villages around the country, in our cities, uh, it's, it's a huge challenge at the moment. Absolutely, and I think it's it's very fitting that you mentioned towns and villages. It's not just a large urban centre issue. It is right across the country at the minute. Donald, you also spoke and, and talked about upskilling and reskilling too. Is that, like, that, that sounds like it's a huge challenge as well. Are there particular areas where there is a talent pool there that just needs to be, you know, upskilled and put into a certain area? And if so, like, what areas are we looking at there? Like, I'm sure no sector wants to lose the people it has at present. No, it's not. It's it's across this. It's across various sectors because what we're looking at, I suppose, is just the evolution of skills and the skills that are effective in the workplace today are not necessarily going to be effective in the workplace of tomorrow. And we have uh, the National Training Fund at the moment has a surplus of 1.5 billion euros, and that fund is generated by levies on employers. So we're calling on the government to make training available to to. Uh, to workers in organisations around the country, either for free or at highly subsidised rates, so that people are able to look at the skills that, that they have today, look at where the demand is in the future, and you know that could be around everything, around digitisation, artif- artificial intelligence, or maybe just moving from one sector to another. Like we know that there's huge shortages of talent, for example, in the sciences and in healthcare and in logistics and you know, it really depends where somebody's interest area interest area is, but there is demand right across the board. You're quite confident anyway that that very low unemployment rate is probably set to continue for the foreseeable. Yeah, uh, all the indicators are that we're going to remain at, at full employment. There's still a very high vacancy rate. So we have very low uh, unemployment. We're, we're tracking at 4% and the number in June was actually 3.8%. Uh, and still very high vacancy rates. So even for all the talk that we had in 2023 about a slowdown in the tech sector and the layoffs that happened there, uh, there's still a very tight labour market and we expect that to continue uh, into the medium term. So definitely the next couple of years, we don't see any uh, big change in that regard. Absolutely. Well, look, it sounds very timely then that government might look at what can be done in order to you know, continue to attract and indeed retain that talent that we that talent pool that we have in this country that is setting us apart almost globally as well. But for now, Donald Donoghue, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Thank you, Ronald. Donald there is president of the Employment and Recruitment Federation too and has, has been speaking there about the submission they've made to government ahead of budget 2024. Um, let me know what you think. 083 103 is the text and WhatsApp number. Time now for another break, but after that, find out how you can go about nominating your favourite person in the hospitality sector, your favourite venue, your favourite bar, your favourite tourism activity. Lots of options there, but after the break, find out exactly how and why you should go about doing that before Friday. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. The Midlands 103 Hospitality Awards um, have been open for a couple of weeks now. 
thousands upon thousands of nominations have been flooding in. The judging panel is almost getting ready to start looking at shortlisted businesses. But before that, there still is a couple of days to get your nominations in. Now, through the grace of God and hopefully technology's working, Katrina Lawler from Midlands 103 should join me on the phone now. Katrina, are you there with me? She may not be as well. Sorry, I just have a little technical issue there. But actually, beyond that, I actually have one of the judges who will be looking at the, the awards. Uh, Mark Fitzpatrick. Mark is a Michelin starred chef and he's the owner of the Old Street Restaurant in Malahide. Uh, very good evening, Mark. Welcome to Taking Care of Business. Thank you very much, Ronan. Unfortunately, I do have to correct you there. I wish I was a Michelin star oh. chef. I am, I am just an owner-operator, unfortunately. Oh, well, good. Well, forgive me on that one anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, well, sorry, uh, you've been Michelin recommended four years in a row. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's, that's not too bad in fairness anyway. But look, no, you have no, been, well, um, you're one of the judges for this year's awards. What in particular are you looking for from restaurants around the Midlands? You're going to look at focus on, on yeah. that sector in, or that side of things in particular. Well, I suppose we have loads of categories this year. So uh, more generally speaking, I think we'll be looking for um, the emphasis on kind of great customer experience, great uh, commitment and passion across all of those categories. Uh, And then more specifically, I think we'll be looking at value, social media, website, menus, uh, wine menus, all that kind of thing, commitment to sustainability. So uh, the whole package across, um, uh, across the board. Is there, is there things, are there things about Midlands restaurants and kind of hospitality sector that are done differently than maybe somewhere like Dublin as well? And, and, and do you spot those and, and, and what are they? Yeah, I, I, I think there is. I think sometimes what you get maybe uh, in, in the Midlands is a real sort of a commitment to genuine Irish hospitality. And not that you don't get that in, in, in bigger cities or in Dublin or in the suburbs, but I just think... Uh, there, there, there's a real warm welcome uh, in the Midlands, and I also think there's a real there's a real opportunity for the Midlands at the moment as well to to attract talent. Um, we all know the kind of uh, the rising costs and the cost of commercial and residential rents in the bigger cities. So I think that's a real opportunity for the Midlands at the moment. Yeah, I think people would be would certainly welcome that sentiment as well. And and it looks like a sector that really. I suppose it's been really, really felt the, the pain from the kind of time of the pandemic as well. And I mean, lots of other things like the VAT rate going back up and lots of debt warehoused in that sector as well. But it's a sector that has remained rather resilient too. And I guess that'll be re- reflected in these awards. Yeah, certainly. I think we've definitely faced a lot of kind of unique challenges, but uh, I think everybody coming through kind of COVID faced their own challenges. So you know, hospitality is a very resilient industry and it's certainly not going to go anywhere. And I think with the quality of talent in the country, the quality of Irish produce, uh, which is now really recognised globally as being, you know, uh, up there with any any other kind of um, country in the world, certainly for produce. And I think more and more so for, for restaurants as well. So I think uh, hospitality is only going to... Um, uh, keep improving in Ireland. Well, it sounds, Mark, that you're going to have a very tough decision ahead of you. And know in the next couple of weeks, you'll begin to look at those shortlists and the winners will be announced, of course, at a gala dinner on the 6th of November as well. But for now, Mark, no doubt we'll see you around the Midlands very shortly. Thank you so much for coming on this evening. 
You're very welcome. Thank Mark you, Ron. Of course, is the owner of the Old Street Restaurant up in Malahide. Now, again, lots of categories you can vote for your favourite businesses in, your favourite people within those businesses. If you haven't done so already, please do so quickly because lots of votes will come in as well. They may not be for the people or the business you want, but so you've got to get your vote in as well because the nominations will close this coming Friday. Um, lots of areas you can book in hospitality, in hotels, restaurants, bar, pubs, the tourism sector. Lots of things you can look at there as well. The overall tourist attraction of the year, the best best leisure centre, best festival or event. Like we know the Midlands is a phenomenal place for events. Best family attractions, best heritage and cultural experience, best caravan or camping or glamping experience. Again, lots of fabulous Midlands businesses in that in that space as well music venue of the year again we really are showcasing the midlands and setting it out there as a great place to come and stay and to go to these music events best local drinks producer is a brand new award as well and god knows there's a lot of great midlands uh, drink producers around the area too tourist bar of the year best bar for sport and country bar of the year really there is no, there is a category there for everybody as well midlands103.com is where you need to go get your nominations in and as i say line or the um, nominations will close this coming friday Time now for me to close this evening's show. Uh, the great Joe Cooney will be along after 8 o'clock with Country Roads. I just want to say a quick thank you to Ian Carroll of the Ice Cream Peddler who joined me earlier this evening. Martin Kerwin, what a great story from uh, Kerwin Haulage in Kilbricken there in County Leash as well. You've also been listening to Donald O'Donoghue, the President of the Employment and Recruitment Federation, talk about their submission to the government ahead of Budget 2024. And uh, recently there just to Mark Fitzpatrick too from the old restaurant in Malahide talking about the Midlands 103 Hospitality Awards for which closes this coming Friday um, that's it for me for this week it's been a pleasure as always I'll be back next Tuesday from 7 talk to you then Taking Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business Midlands 101